Welcome to the Delivery Diaries with Vanessa Nag. This is a podcast about how families were started. Join us as we hear parents tell us their stories of how their children were delivered, whether that's through birth stories or adoption stories. Listen in as we laugh together, cry together, and learn together. In today's episode, my old roommate and good friend Jackie and her husband Corey tell us about the birth of their son. Jackie went through fertility struggles and suffered two miscarriages and two ectopic pregnancies. With each ectopic pregnancy, she had to remove a fallopian tube, leaving her without any. They decided to try IVF and ended up having their rainbow baby. Hey, Jackie, welcome to the Delivery Diaries. Hey, thanks for having me. Do you want to start out and tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. So my name is Jackie. And my husband is Corey. Uh, We have a baby who is two months old, and his name is Harvey. Awesome. Do you want to tell us your journey to getting pregnant? Sure. So it is kind of a long journey (laughs) to start with. Um, But we started trying to get pregnant in February of 2016. Uh, We actually got pregnant pretty quick like after the first or second month of trying, which was pretty shocking to me. Uh, We were super excited and went to my general practitioner for a blood test. It was confirmed. Um, She told me to, you know, find an OB to work with. So I looked online and I found someone with some pretty good reviews and made an appointment for, you know, eight weeks. Um, A few weeks went by and I'd been having a lot of back pain but I thought that that was a normal symptom of pregnancy. So I didn't think too much into it. And then one Saturday I started bleeding and that's when I started to worry Um, because it was a Saturday. I was unable to get in to see my doctor. So I decided to take the rest of the day and lay down and just try to relax. Um, Of course I started Googling things and you know how that goes. (laughs) It ranges from everything is fine to you're dying. Uh, So it it was hard to know if I should be worried or not. Um, The next day I woke up to a lot of blood. So since it was a Sunday, of course, I was still unable to get in to see my doctor. So we went into the ER. Uh, Something just didn't feel right. And I needed to make sure that, you know, this was nothing. So We had an ultrasound and the whole time I was, you know, super naive (laughs) asking, can you see the baby and can we hear the heartbeat? And, you know, I didn't really believe anything was wrong. I didn't really know, you know, it was all new to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we, I had had some friends that had, had gone through losses and stuff, but it wasn't super big in my life at that moment. Um, So the sonographer was very quiet, and I will never forget that. Um, At the time, I didn't really realize because, again, it was my first time, so I I didn't know. I thought that was normal. Mm -hmm. But now thinking back, I'm like, oh, I should have taken that (laughs) as a sign. Um, They took my blood again, and they rushed the results. And the doctor came in and said, we don't see anything in your uterus and your HCG numbers are high enough that we should be seeing at least a sac. So um, they said, we also see a mass near your right ovary. And so, you know, I was like, what does that even mean? And they said, we believe this could be a 
suspected ectopic pregnancy. So when he said that, I was completely in shock. I remember during my Googling, uh, reading something about an ectopic pregnancy and remember thinking, like, yeah, right, <laughs> that's not happening to me. I, I didn't even like fully read into it because I just knew that that was ridiculous. So basically to anyone, an ectopic pregnancy is when the baby starts to grow outside of the uterus. Uh, it's my understanding that it can happen in a few different places inside the body, but the tube is the most common, the fallopian tube, um, and ectopic pregnancies cannot be saved. Before we were able to leave, um, I had to sign something saying that I would be seeing my doctor, like basically promising that the next day as soon as I was able. Uh, the doctor explained that an ectopic pregnancy is very dangerous for me, and we would need to know, you know, pretty quick if that's what was going on. So I ended up getting in the next day, and, you know, that's always awkward because I had never met this doctor before. <laughs> you know, you schedule your first appointment thinking that you're going to see them at eight weeks, and then, you know, weirdness happens. And luckily, they were um, understanding and were able to get me in. Um, we did a series of blood tests and sonograms because we wanted to be sure that this was not a viable pregnancy uh, before we made any decisions. And it was finally determined that it was not and that I would need surgery to remove the pregnancy uh, to potentially, you know, save my life. So if it ruptured, um, it would have caused internal bleeding, which could eventually um, lead to transfusion and then, you know, possibly death. So surgery was scheduled for a few days later um, where they removed my left fallopian tube and the pregnancy. Uh, the recovery was pretty rough. Not so much the physical part, although that, you know, that part sucked, but the emotional part was hard. I think I was in shock for a while that that actually happened, but uh, we knew we wanted to keep trying. So we did pretty much immediately because I knew it was going to take some time with only one fallopian tube. Uh, since we had gotten pregnant so fast the first time, it was kind of shocking that it did not happen again that way. <laughs> About nine months went by and I decided to find a new OB uh, and go to them for help. We were told to do an HSG, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the word that that stands for. Not say word um, that. Mm. <laughs> Uh, basically it's a test that they run dye through my fallopian tube, um, oh. or tubes, but in my case tube, um, to see if it's clear, um, to see if there's any scar tissue or, you know, if, if this could possibly happen again, basically. So we did that and I remember they said, okay, your tube's open. So I was like, oh, all right, you know, we're good to go. We don't know why this is not happening for us, but at least we know that, you know, our remaining tube is open. So we went back to the OB, um, who prescribed me some Clomid to start. Um, so basically with this drug, you take it for five days at the beginning of the month. It helps you grow healthy follicles and multiple follicles rather than just one, um, so that you have a better chance of getting pregnant. So we did three rounds of that with that OB, and on that last round, it worked. We got pregnant for the second time. The next week, you know, same thing, was full blood tests. Um, a week later, later, we had an 
early ultrasound to make sure that it was not an ectopic pregnancy again. Uh, once again, we saw nothing in my uterus. So um, we didn't see anything in the tube either. But during this process, I had started to bleed again. My HCG dropped and we were having another or a miscarriage. So at this point, we were pretty confused and devastated. Um, you know, we didn't really know where to go next. Um, but after that, I was referred to a reproductive endocrinologist or fertility specialist. Uh, we went over our medical history and decided to do a few more rounds of Clomid, but we added a trigger shot, which basically just ensures that the follicles that were grown from the Clomid, that they release. Um, so through our time with the RE, we did about six rounds of fertility treatment. And the last one was an IUI. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with what that is, but it's a intrauterine insemination. So basically they grow my follicles, they make sure the follicles release, and then they put Corey's sperm up past my cervix to kind of just make sure that they meet my egg and, and the sperm. Well, aside from everything being perfect every single month, um, multiple follicles. I mean, everything was exactly how it was supposed to be. None of it worked. So I wanted to take a little break from it all. Um, it was pretty overwhelming and, you know, it takes a toll on your mental state and your, bo your body. Um, so we did take that break. And a couple months later, we were pregnant for the third time naturally. So Unfortunately, this pregnancy was a lot like the last, uh, multiple tests, sonograms, and then eventually a miscarriage. So after this, as you can imagine, I was not in a great place. Um, I couldn't keep going like we were. I wanted to try on our own since that seemed to be, you know, how we kept getting pregnant. But after a while of not getting pregnant, we decided to see a different reproductive endocrinologist. So this uh, fertility specialist was amazing. She ran so many tests, uh, recurrent miscarriage tests. Um, she did the, I'm not sure if it's the actual, is it the hysteroscopy? She, we didn't actually have a surgery, but she did the dye through my uterus. And so to see if anything was going on um, that was, you know, blocking any pregnancies from getting through and everything was perfect. Um, like I said before, I think that's one of the things that was most frustrating through this process is that everything was always normal and perfect. And we just could not figure out what the issue was. So we decided we didn't want to do any more IUI or Clomid or Femara. It gets expensive, and I just felt like we were just wasting time and money. Um, so we wanted to go ahead and do IVF. So, of course, right before we were going to start another cycle, I got pregnant naturally. Uh, we were really excited, and I thought that that was kind of a sign you know, maybe we don't need IVF. Maybe this is, this is it. This is like our miracle before IVF kind of thing. Um, I was very cautious after everything, but for some reason, I just thought that this time was different. Um, my numbers were great. I wasn't bleeding. I didn't have any pains. 
And then we went in for our first ultrasound. And once again, there was nothing in my uterus. So it was another suspected ectopic. And we actually went in for emergency surgery that day. So after the surgery, they let us know that, you know, they took my remaining fallopian tube and it had already started to rupture and I was bleeding internally. Yeah, if we, it was, that was a Thursday and we were going to wait through the weekend, but I had, you know, had a little bit of back pain and they were like, no, we need to do this. Um, And if we would have waited through the weekend, it would have been ugly. So I was very lucky for that, you know, that part of it. I was thankful for that, that we went ahead and, you know, had a grip on that part. But after that, we were unable to get pregnant naturally ever again. I definitely wanted a break after that just to process everything that had happened. And that was because Um, you had both fallopian tubes removed at this point. Yes. Yes. So um, not only was it, you know, pretty traumatic, but I was pretty unsure of what I wanted next. Um, Losing my fertility completely, like at least knowing, I mean, the last few years had been like infertility, but I knew that it was never going to happen naturally. Um, That was pretty difficult, but um, I found myself in a place where I didn't want to be pregnant again. I was terrified. I wanted to move forward with fostering or adoption. Corey and I actually started that process. Uh, We went to an information session, started paperwork, and even had our interview. And then in the end, after a lot of conversations, we decided to do IVF first, then possibly foster later. So we started the process for IVF. Um, It was a pretty long process. It started with two to three shots per day. Um, to get my follicles to grow. Then eventually, a couple, maybe 10 days later, um, it led into an egg retrieval. They were, after the retrieval, they were able to get 20 eggs, um, 15 fertilized, and we ended up freezing eight embryos. So since we had so many losses previously, we weren't sure if there was anything wrong with my eggs. Um, So we went ahead and we did something that's called PGS or PGT testing. Uh, Basically, it's just a genetic screening of my embryos just to make sure, you know, that there isn't anything abnormal. Um, So after this, we had five normal, healthy, really good graded embryos, uh, which was amazing. Honestly, it was more than we ever expected to have. Um, So... That was lucky. Most after that, we pretty much knew that, you know, most of our issues were my fallopian tubes. So to lead up to a transfer, um, it's more shots, more pills. Um, We started that process and we transferred one of the best quality embryos that we had and we did not get pregnant. Uh, We took a month off, then went in the next month for another transfer pretty much against my will, (laughs) not against my will, but Corey had to really, you know, encourage me to keep going at that point because I was so done, um, just so over it. And I was just feeling like it was never going to happen. So I agreed. 
um, and we went ahead and we transferred two embryos, uh, one of the best quality that we had and one of the worst quality. And by quality, what do you mean by that? Quality. Um, so uh, I say worst quality. Basically, they grade the embryos on a scale of like um, A, B, C, D. So our reproductive endocrinologists, they don't save anything that isn't an A or a B. Um, they just, they don't have much luck with them and they only do frozen transfers. So I guess if it's like a C or a D and they do a frozen transfer, the thawing process lowers the quality. So they're, Uh I don't want to say useless, but they're not as, you know, it's not as likely that they'll work. Um, so we basically, I think we did, uh, an A, and an AB, an AA and an AB um, transfer. And like I said, it's the worst quality, but it's not a bad quality. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, the worst one that we had. So as you know, uh, one of them stuck, which is our son, Harvey. Um, it's kind of interesting because we'll never know which one of those embryos he is. We don't know if he's the AA or the AB or, you know, it's kind of fun that way, I guess. So my pregnancy was, um, it wasn't horrible. I did have some sickness at the beginning, nothing crazy, just a few weeks of morning sickness, which unfortunately I didn't throw up a ton, uh, but it lasted all day long. So that was a little rough. It just so happened that, you know, right when we did our transfer, since the last one hadn't worked and we had had, you know, I, I wasn't convinced that all of this was going to work. So I started a new job. And so I started a new job with morning sickness, which was rough. But um, anyways, once that was over, it really wasn't so bad. Um, I think we had a, a, what is it called? Um, A hemorrhage at one point. So I, I did have some bleeding in my pregnancy, which was scary. Um, I think I actually started bleeding for the first time at like six weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening again. Like you have to be kidding me. Corey and I thought it was over at one point. And then, you know, we went in for our first ultrasound and there he was with a beautiful beating heartbeat. And we were like, what? Really? Like this, this is an ending poorly. Um, And then, you know, every week after that is obviously anxiety inducing. Um, I had a lot of anxiety during my pregnancy with mm-hmm. Harvey. It was kind of a lot to take in. Gosh, I remember even at 24 weeks telling my OB, like, I'm still not really convinced this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she just kind of looked at me. I was like, well, I mean, I don't know until he's in my arms and, you know, maybe not even then. I don't know. Just it's hard to imagine. Um, so other than that, you know, the anxiety was pretty rough through my pregnancy. Um, I was pretty exhausted. I had a lot of fatigue all the way through, you know, they say that the first is the worst and then the second gets better and then it starts to come back in the third. Mine was literally the entire time. So I don't know if that's normal, but other than that, it really wasn't a bad pregnancy. If I'm honest, I did not enjoy pregnancy as much as I thought I was going to. I don't know if it's because I'm 31 rather than in my 20s. I don't know. But it was 
it was not as enjoyable as I expected it to be. And that makes me feel a little bit guilty after, you know, everything we went through, but it is what it is. <laughs> and I was not one of those people that was glowing and yeah, I had like horrible acne and like, it just, no, none of it was pretty <laughs> for me. <laughs> so. All right. Well, you want to get into the birth story? Yeah. So um, we actually went in for our 39-week appointment. Um, that week I had been having some decreased fetal movement, which after everything we'd been through was really causing a lot more anxiety and stress. The baby's heartbeat seemed to be fine every time they checked it. Uh, we even did like a stress test or a non-stress test just to you know check on everything and um, it was fine, but they did want to do an ultrasound just to make sure he had plenty of fluid. Um, so during the ultrasound, the tech kept making so many comments about his size. Uh, he was already measuring eight pounds, five ounces. His head was measuring 43 weeks, I think. It just kept getting bigger. So it was basically huge. Um, so all of that, plus the fact that he was moving less, uh, they offered to go ahead and induce me that same day. Um, I was already scheduled to induce like three days later. So I agreed that, you know, it might be better to just not wait the weekend. So that started um, the labor. They told me to go ahead and um, eat something before heading over to labor and delivery. So I did, or I tried to. Um, I was so nervous and anxious and excited that I could only eat half of my sandwich, which I would later regret. <laughs> I wish I just would have fought through it and realized how long this process was going to take. Everyone kept telling me that. And I was like, mm, I don't know, though. Maybe yeah. not. <laughs> I couldn't eat. So I went ahead and I um, headed over to labor and delivery. Uh, they got me all hooked up to the monitors, monitoring, monitoring baby. And um, I guess my contractions, which I wasn't having any yet. Um, Corey was not there yet. He had gone home to get our bags and uh, get our dogs taken care of. Um, the doctors came in and we went ahead and we started uh, before he got there, because they were like, this is going to be a long process, I promise you. Because I was like, mm -hmm. should we wait? And they were like, no, it, he's going to, no, he could take five hours and you'd still be good. So Corey arrived um, about an hour later and nothing was happening. Um, I had started to have light contractions um, because, sorry, they had given me a pill. They had given me Cytotec um, about an hour before he arrived. And so it had started to work. Not they, they weren't intense or anything, but things were happening. Um, the doctor came in to talk about placing a Foley bulb or a Foley balloon. Mm -hmm. um, basically, this is inserted to help open my cervix, and I believe it's supposed to help you get to like a four or a five um, in just a more natural way. Um, that was horrible. <laughs> I'm not sure why it hurt me so much. Uh, some women that I've seen agree with me that it was like the worst pain. Uh, and some women think it was nothing. So I'm not sure why that varies so much. Maybe I'm a weakling. I don't know. <laughs> but it was horrible. Um, the doctor said, you know, that they only like to leave those in for about 12 hours uh, because it can cause infection. 
So she said it'll either fall out or um, it'll stay in and in 12 hours we'll come take it out. So of course it did not fall out. (laughs) I was so uncomfortable the entire time that thing was in, but it did work. Um, My contractions were picking up because of that and the Cytotec, um, I was actually in quite a bit of pain. Um, I hated sitting in the bed. Uh, it just seemed to make everything worse. Um, I needed to be up. Uh, I paced the room, bounced on the ball. Um, they were able to give me these Wi-Fi monitors uh, or a monitor, I guess. It was kind of weird. I'd never oh, seen like for the like baby. It. Yeah, so okay. that they could, uh, you know, monitor the heartbeat mm-hmm. and my contractions, but I could get up and be a little more free. That's good. Yeah, that was really nice because I was dying in the bed. <laughs> um, so I did that for a while, and I wasn't going to be checked again until about 5 a.m. at that point. Um, and I was in quite a bit of pain and honestly not handling it well. I always thought that I had a really high pain tolerance, but I just, I honestly, I kept being scared that it was going to escalate and I was going to feel everything. And I wouldn't be able to get an epidural because you hear these horror stories of like, it was too late for me. And I'm like, how do you know? How do you know when? Because I knew I wanted to get one. I just, I didn't know when. Um, I kept telling myself, I think I told you this, that I wanted to wait until I was at a six Mm -hmm. to get an epidural, but I did not. (laughs) Um, Sometime over that night, I went ahead and I gave in and I asked for the epidural. So that process took about 35 minutes-ish. If I remember correctly, it was pretty easy. It was incredibly uncomfortable because I had to lean forward and I could feel baby like hardcore in my ribs. And so like, I don't know if I was having contractions or if he was just kicking up there. I don't know what was going on, but I remember that being incredibly uncomfortable Um, And I kept asking if she was done (laughs) so that I could stop leaning forward. Um, After it was in, I immediately got hit with nausea. Uh, I told the nurse, um, I'm one of those people that is going to hold in my throw up (laughs) until I literally cannot anymore. I hate throwing up. Um, So I was trying so hard for a few minutes. And she's like, do you want me to get you some Zofran? Before I could even answer, I was puking. Uh Um, yeah, so that was that was not fun. Um, luckily, she gave me some Zofran shortly after that, and it did make me feel a lot better. Um, the puking stopped. So after that, I felt no pain, but I also felt nothing. <laughs> so that was pretty weird. Uh, there were times where it felt fine, like I, you know, I could still feel a little bit of my legs, mm-hmm. but they just felt super, you know tingly. It didn't feel like dead weight. Um, but then there were times when it, it felt like I did not have legs at all. That was, that was pretty weird to me. Um, over the rest of the night, they would come in and they would turn me every hour. Um, I had the peanut ball between my legs, uh, to help things progress. And it was working. Um, I had the balloon removed around 5 AM and I was at a four, almost a five. Um, a couple hours later, the doctor came in and I had luckily gotten to a six. Um, so things seemed to be progressing pretty nicely after that. 
Um, she told me I was in active labor at that point. And, um, you know, if things keep moving like this, we might be pushing by 1 p.m. I think that's what I predicted whenever you did. You did. You would text and you'd be like, I bet, I bet he's here by, or I bet you're pushing by 1 p.m. Uh-huh. And I was like, really? Oh my gosh. Um, and I was really ready at this point. Um, I was exhausted because, you know, they keep coming in to turn you. You can't get any sleep. Like no. they, it's so ridiculous to me. They come in and they're like, did you get any sleep? And I'm like, you were just here. <laughs> You're like, no. No, not at all. I can hear Corey over there snoring. <laughs> Ugh, my goodness. Um, so I was basically up the entire time. Like it was just impossible. Um, but when she came in, when the doctor came in a few hours later, or a couple hours later, she said I was at an eight. And so I was pretty nervous. Um, I kept telling Corey, I'm just really scared to push for some reason. I, I kept thinking of his head, <laughs> his head size. And I was like, I just don't know. I don't know how this is going to happen. And I know that, you know, those sonograms aren't always accurate. And mm-hmm. I tried to remember that, but I was scared of his head. Um, so, and then again, I had that fear of the epidural wearing off, but that was like the big moment to me. And I don't know, the whole thing was just really hard again for me to picture going smoothly. Um, I guess I was a little jaded after everything, but I was also, you know, really ready to meet him. So, uh, during this time it was raining outside and Corey's over there and like the the bed by the window and we noticed a small leak uh coming through one of the windows what yeah it was <laughs> poor Corey. um it wasn't a ton but it was definitely coming through um so they wanted to go ahead and get us moved to another room so we did um almost immediately after moving to the new room the doctor came in to check me again and i had made it to a 10. she said baby had dropped and we were ready to push. Um, the next part was nothing like I expected. <laughs> you always see movies and there are a million people in the room and it goes by so fast. Everyone's screaming. Like it just, it was nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I should say that I loved all of my nurses after delivery, but this nurse during was <laughs> not my favorite. She was perfectly nice, but the whole time I would push a few contractions in one position and then she would have me move to another position, which was fine. I get that. But she kept asking me what I wanted to do. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I've never done this before. (laughs) I felt like we kept like wasting time because she'd like leave the room to get something or switch positions again. And then we'd push through a couple contractions and then she'd talk about moving to another position. I don't know. It was just, I felt like there was a lot of weirdness there. Um, I'm not sure if that's normal protocol. Is that normal for you at all? Uh, Well, in the hospital, I only practice pushed and then they were like, oh, C-section. Okay. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that fast. Yeah. I think I only practice pushed, I think like three times. Okay. And then at the birthing center, I pushed for an hour and they did have me switch positions 
they were like, let's try this position. And I, it was uncomfortable. And I was like, nope, I like the other one. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it, it definitely felt weird and mm-hmm. awkward. Uh, my leg, it didn't help that my legs were like dead weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to use the stirrups to push. Oh, yeah. So yeah. every time she switched, it had to, we had to put those back. Um, I just felt like it kept taking up more time than necessary. Like we were wasting contractions moving Oh, rather yeah. than just like staying in one position and going, which I wanted to do. I was done. Um, but either way, the nurse suggested we stop the epidural at one point um, because I was such dead weight um, so that I could feel a little more just to make sure that I was pushing correctly, I guess. And that is one of the things that my midwife did. She like put her fingers inside of me and she was like, okay, push where my fingers are. And she like taught me how to push. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. See, and that I kind of wish that that is what would have happened. Um, It did. The doctor eventually did come in and push with me through a few contractions just to make sure. Um, But this nurse, (laughs) she's like, why don't we just stop the epidural? Uh, She even went and talked to the anesthesiologist to make sure that was okay, just so I could feel it. Um, just to make sure that I was doing it correctly. And I was like, I've never done this. So even if I can feel it, I'm not going to know if I'm doing it right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. I tried it. Um, I did start to feel contractions pretty strong whenever they shut it off. And I did not like it because, again, I felt like it was going to be one of those things where they tried to turn it back on and I would, it wouldn't work or something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, I don't like this. Turn it back on. <laughs> I don't know why I was such a baby. I really thought that I would be, like, stronger during labor. But I was terrified of feeling it or feeling too much of it. Um, at that point, the doctor, she did come in a few times um, and she pushed through a few contractions with me, um, confirmed that I was pushing correctly. Um, so once it was turned back on, it seemed to kind of go faster, I guess, because the doctor was in there kind of moving things along. Um, I had already been pushing for like three hours and I was it had been three hours already, three hours and I wow. was exhausted. Um, we weren't making any progress. They kept saying that baby was in a weird position and they kept trying different things to turn him. I still don't know too many details on that. That's just what they kept telling me. Um, they used oil, I guess, to try to, to get his head to, to turn while he was in there. Something about the way his face was, his head was faced. So pretty much we, we tried everything. Um, and at that point I actually asked the doctor if we could move on to a C-section. Um, I didn't want this at all, but I was so tired and hungry (laughs) and I was, I just felt like pushing was not going to work. Um, he was not coming out that way. And I had been so nervous about his head already that I was like, this is just something isn't, this isn't working Mm -hmm. unless we just change something dramatically like this isn't working. Um, So that at that point, I had already been told by two of the nurses that the doctor that I was with does not like to do C-sections because her C-section rates are very low. And uh, I should mention that my, my OB who I love, she was pregnant and do two weeks before me. So she was on maternity leave 
at this time. So this was not my regular doctor. I did not even know this doctor. Um, so I was a little frustrated with her because I wanted to go ahead and go in and get him out. And she persisted, you know, that we try forceps and the vacuum. Um, I had done no reading on either of these things. It was never mentioned to me that that was a possibility. So I didn't know much about either of them. And I was kind of scared. I asked her, you know, is this going to hurt the baby? And she said, no, it was completely safe and didn't tell me about any of the risks. I reluctantly agreed. Um, At first I was like, you know, absolutely not because I thought that I would have to push for another three hours. Like I I didn't know. And she was like, no, this is like one to two contractions, each one. And that's it. I was like, okay, fine. Like I, I can get past, I can get through that. And so I reluctantly agreed. Um, and we tried the forceps first. We pushed through a couple contractions and nothing. Um, so at that point, she's like, okay, we're going to move on to the vacuum. At that point, we had like people coming in. Um, maybe I should have known at that point that, you know, there were risks because we had NICU coming in. We had probably 10 extra people coming in the room, extra nurses. Um, really? Yeah. It seemed to like flood in and I'm sitting there like, okay, I think Corey and I were just so overwhelmed Mm -hmm. that we didn't know. I didn't know how to push back. Right. You know, now I would absolutely, especially, you know, knowing what I know now, but like at the time we just, we were just going along with the doctor. Right. Yeah. Um, assuming that, you know, she had our best interest Mm -hmm. at heart. Um, so, we went ahead and we tried the vacuum a couple times. Um, at one point, I remember her pulling so hard with everything she had that bled, like she like pulled back and blood splattered all over her face. Oh my gosh. And he still was not out. <laughs> so I kept asking, is he okay? Is he okay? Like, that scared me. What's going on? Um, at that point I could feel him so far down in my pelvis, like so much pressure. It was insane. And I definitely did not have that before at all. Um, the doctor said, you know, he's not coming out this way. Um, I know that you feel pressure and she was like, but it, it it's not going to happen. So we needed to go ahead and get into the surgery room. Um, cause he wasn't coming out vaginally. So everything from that point was kind of a blur. Um, There were nurses coming in and out, the anesthesiologist coming in. It was a little chaotic. Um, Corey was getting dressed in all of the gear to go in the room with me. Um, I was sitting there with a ton of anxiety. (laughs) Um, And then the anesthesiologist, I think he might have given me something at that point to kind of calm me down. We went over to the surgery room and um, I remember him testing out the medicine he was giving me and he kept, you know, saying, can you feel this and can you feel this and can you feel this? And he was just making sure that, you know, before they cut into me, I can't feel anything. And I just kept thinking like, you're taking way too long. Like we're not monitoring the baby. He's stuck in my pelvis. Like 
hurry up. I don't even care. <laughs> I can feel it at this point. Like just get him out. Um, and so that part was, I don't know if it's because I was, he had obviously given me something to kind of calm me down. Um, but that part seemed to be quick. I don't know. Um, I did feel some pressure and, um, then at one point I could hear everyone in the room go, Aww. <laughs> and I was like, okay, he's out. But I didn't hear him crying. Um, but then like immediately he started crying after that. And I was like, okay, okay, we're good. Um, it's the sweetest little cry I've ever heard. Um, they held him up so that I could see him uh, for a second. And then he was gone. Um, I hated that part. I kept hearing them say, come on, dad, get the camera. And, you know, Corey was over there uh, with him for a while, which gave me a lot of comfort and also made me sad because mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to be over there with them. Um, I didn't even really like when they held him up, I didn't even really see what he looked like. You know, there's just, it was so fast. Um, so that part seemed to kind of take forever, although I was still pretty drowsy. Um, I could barely keep my eyes open. And then I started feeling a lot of intense cramps. So I asked the anesthesiologist uh, what was going on. And he kind of looked like, I don't know, he didn't want to say too much. I was like, no, what's going Like I wanted him to tell me and walk, walk me through what was happening. And so he did. He said uh, that they had my uterus out of my body and that they were contracting it back down to size. And that's why I was feeling such intense cramps. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> but it made sense because it hurt so bad. And um, yeah, a few minutes went by. It felt like hours. Um, and they came and they finally put him on my chest. I remember wanting to hold him so bad, but also being so scared because I could barely keep my eyes open. Um, I, I was like, Corey, you need to stay right there. And he did. Um, once I was stitch up, stitched up, they took us to the recovery room where we got to have some skin to skin. I was still so tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is my least favorite part about all of it is that I just, I mean, I remember it thankfully, but I couldn't keep my eyes open. It was a, I, I feel like I wasn't even like focusing on him cause I was just focused on staying awake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we did, we tried, we did skin to skin and we tried to breastfeed for the first time. Um, that part was obviously amazing and we were pretty overwhelmed in a good way. Um, our parents had shown up at that point, um, met him for just a minute and then ended up leaving us alone for the night to enjoy our new baby. So as you know, uh, they come in and check on mom and baby all the time in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point they came in and they were checking Harvey's head and he had a hematoma on his head. So from what they could tell, this is normal for vacuum deliveries, which again, I did not know. Um, but... They had a pediatrician come in and check it, and he was pretty concerned. Um, He wanted to get an ultrasound done to see how bad the hematoma was, and so we agreed. And 
He came back a few hours later and let us know that he believed it was a subgaleal hematoma and it was worse than what they thought. Uh, basically, this is like a bleed between the skull and the lining of the skull. Um, and he was going to go over the results with the neonatal doctor, but he believes Harvey would be going to the NICU. And so, of course, I was so upset, um, you know, after all the losses and infertility and I had a hard time believing that this was ever going to happen. And he was, you know, here. And so, of course, I was thinking the worst. It's just inevitable. Um, at this point, we had, you know, family scheduled to come and meet him. And we canceled because I just, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, I don't even know if he's going to be in the room with us right now. Um, so I did Google at one point um, a subgaleal hematoma and what the first thing that I saw was not good. And so I, I put my phone down and I decided that I was not going to do that anymore because I just did not need that. Um, and the neonatal doctor, he came in after that a little while later and spoke with us and he somewhat eased our minds. Um, the pediatrician, I feel like really scared us. And this guy was a lot better. Um, he said that the NICU would need to monitor him. And so he was going to take over care for Harvey. Um, but they would do it from our room, which was nice. After that, he developed jaundice because of the hematoma on his head and ended up spending a day in the nursery doing phototherapy. Um, I was a bit of a mess not having him there with us just because, I don't know, you know, you have a baby, you expect to spend every second with them, and it just felt like we were just sitting in a hospital for no reason. Right, <laughs> um, he's finally here, and then you can't. And you're taking him away. Yeah, I was, I was not happy. Um, but luckily the nurses were amazing and they were bringing him to us every three hours to eat. Um, so that was a little, I loved when they brought him in, but I also remember being super anxious every time because we were trying to breastfeed <laughs> and it just seemed like every time they brought him in, I was like torturing him, trying to get him to latch. Cause that time is just kind of hard. Yeah. Um, but luckily I seriously had the best lactation nurses and baby nurses in the world um, that I was working with. Uh, so after the full day under the phototherapy, they decided that they would bring him to us so we could continue skin to skin um, in our room, but he needed to continue the phototherapy blanket. You know, I would hold him with that on or he would sleep in his bassinet with it on, um, but he was in the room with us. So that was nice. Um, after a while, they continued to take his blood um, to check his bilirubin levels. And um, if they were dropping, you know, we would get to go home eventually. Um, and, you know, they could remove the blanket and everything. Um, but unfortunately, they kept going up. So they had to take him back for another, I think it was 24 hours. And again, I cried. That sucked. Um, we went and, you know, we visited him every three hours to feed him. And it was kind of nice at that point to get out of our room. Cause at this point we had been at the hospital for like four days and I was so ready to go home. Um, eventually they were able to get his bilirubin levels down. And then one night shift nurse came in and literally said his head had gotten so much better. I swear it was like overnight, like the day shift nurse was clocking in 
reading the notes and didn't understand like what all the fuss was about (laughs) because it like just didn't seem as bad as all the notes were saying. So I I still, I can't tell you what happened there. Like the, I mean, this made us feel, you know, so much better. And, um, you know, once his bilirubin levels were going down, we had been in the hospital for six nights and we were finally able to take him home. Um, and his head is all good now. So Corey basically said, he was like, you know, we went through all of this to get him here. Why would we not like all of this to just conceive him? Why would we not have a ton of drama just getting him here too? (laughs) I was like, yeah, and he's worth it. So Well, if there was any bits of wisdom or any advice that you would want to tell other moms, what would that be? I would say just hang in there. (laughs) If you're trying to conceive, I mean, there were literally times where I never thought that it was going to happen. I was ready to move on. I was, I was done. And here we are. Um, During labor, I would say advocate for yourself. Um, If you can't, get a doula or someone who will do it for you because there are going to be moments. I didn't think that I needed that. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, no, it'll be fine. Whatever. It's not that big of a deal. And then, you know, we were hit with this moment of like, I don't want to do that but I felt like my voice wasn't being heard. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you feel like you can't get that across and get a doula or someone in your life, um, that can, you know, stand up for what you want. Right. Um, that's probably it. Yeah. I 100% agree with that for sure. So we did, obviously she probably went over this, but like the first transfer didn't work. Um, then we put two in and honestly, I kind of thought two would work like both of them. Obviously we're glad that that one did, but, um, uh, went to my aunt's and uncle's ranch and, uh, technically that was our first little family trip, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when did, so we found out it was probably that was, it was coming home, I think from that trip, it was the day we came home, the day we came home. I yeah. She, she long. took a test and, uh, I think it was just really faint, right. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, we've seen many times before, so it wasn't, it never really hit me. In fact, I honestly, the whole pregnancy didn't really hit me, uh, until mm-hmm. he was, you know, here in the little crate thing. So, yeah, I think. When she first showed me, I probably uh, didn't react as well as she probably thought I would just because, yeah, we've seen it before. I'm like, okay, here we go again. I think that that is probably what's <clears throat> kind of sad. And I don't mean to cut you off, but no, you're good. what's kind of sad for Harvey. I mean, he'll never know, but like our first pregnancy was like so excited, you know, so naive and just yeah, no cares in the world. And then our pregnancy with him was just kind of like, Oh, hey, it worked. Okay. Like, it, know, it's just we're very, here. We're not excited, but yeah, we are excited. Like but, business. you know, yeah. Yeah. You're like too nervous to be excited. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess kind of jumping forward to whenever everything started happening, that was, uh, I was at work and she, you had an appointment. It was just like the one, like the week before it would actually happen appointment and, um, 
it wasn't ready. So, uh, but of course they said, well, we can induce now. And she was going to take that immediately. So, <laughs> um, I probably didn't share the sense of urgency that I think she felt because she told me they're going to induce and it'll probably be like 24 hours. So I went and had lunch with my coworkers and said, okay, it's happening. In fact, they probably, I guess I just have a nonchalant personality to begin with. So it wasn't, you know, like you see in movies where it's jumping up and down and although you certainly feel that way inside, but not outside. Yeah. Um, yeah, then we got there and just had to sit there and wait, and <laughs> that sucked. But I think that night, it was kind of weird because we both were like, man, this is like the last night in this hospital like that we're going to be just us. It was really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so day of, it took forever, uh, as I'm sure she told you. And then you know, the, the pushing started and it was kind of weird, I guess, going through all this in the back of my mind, I knew something would not, I don't, it's hard to say, like, I knew something would go wrong, but you just hope that whatever was going to go wrong was something that was manageable. And Mm -hmm. luckily in our case it was, but, um, the whole time, you know, I I was kind of just waiting like, okay, what's going on. Okay. So she's pushing. It's not, he's not coming out. You know, this is manageable. It's fine. Um, and obviously he didn't really didn't want to come out. So yeah, um, I didn't know what to expect with any of that. I think we probably should have done research with like the methods of how babies can be birthed. Um, like in our case, we kind of went through all the check or checked all the boxes, I guess you could say. Um, we pretty much did every single one. Uh, but like the stirrups thing, I mean, I had no idea what that was. Um just the forceps. Like, or forceps. What is stirrup? What is yeah, stirrups? I had my legs in the stirrups. Oh, so okay. Well, <laughs> those are weird too. They all played a part. <laughs> yeah. Um, the forceps. Yeah. That, that was not something I kind of was prepared to see um, mm-hmm. when she had them in there. And then it's just so weird seeing, I mean, they look like they were, they've been outdated for like 200 years. I can't believe they still use them, but they're like, you know, these metal things are inner and the, doctors pulling at full strength and all of a sudden that i guess she lost was that the suction or the, the forceps vacuum. or vacuum whatever lost grip. either one um they both sucked but uh, yeah when she lost grip or i guess the suction stopped working or whatever and the blood just went on her face i mean that was insane you don't really expect that i kind of expected her to just like you know okay she's just ripped my baby's head off and she's <laughs> hold it around like a ceremony or something. What are we in? This is weird. Um, you certainly don't expect that to happen. Um, so I would, if, if I'm in any position to give advice to anybody, I would say if just kind of look at the different ways that it can happen. And just so you're prepared in that moment where we obviously were not. So, yeah, I think it, I, I never really got nervous the whole time. I was pretty much like nerves of steel, uh, up until probably the, um, I guess it was an operating room, right? Mm -hmm. Technically. I mean, yeah, it's an operation. I think that's when it kind of hit, um, that, you know, everything was happening. There's like 20 people in the room and okay, it's happening. And, um, yeah, it's really weird. And I think even when he came out or they, they took him out, um, it, it didn't really feel like, like I saw this little baby crying. There's like, you know, eight or nine people all kind of 
cleaning them off and all that stuff. It was just weird. It, I saw it and it didn't quite hit then. And honestly, I don't really know the moment that it did, but uh, that was a really weird moment. It's not what I expected, but um, it's just a very weird moment. Um, but yeah, if, if I had to also give advice to dads, I would say do the dad class beforehand, me and a, or get a buddy and just go and do it. Uh, it's it's pretty easy. I learned how to swaddle, which I never would have known other than watching her. <laughs> I guess technically nobody really does because when does it ever work? They always bust <laughs> out of it like it's, you know, I don't know. But um, uh, we learned swaddling and uh, I can't remember what else. I think uh, putting on a diaper, which I think that was really the first time I've ever done that um, on a little doll, obviously. But um, we also did a infant CPR class, which was very helpful because, I mean, we use that like three times a week. So uh, I'm just kidding. We don't. Our baby's safe. <laughs> uh, that was really helpful. I would, I would recommend that as well. Well, thanks, Corey, for, for sharing your perspective. You're welcome. Hope it wasn't too scatterbrained. I didn't write it down like I probably should have. <laughs> Thanks, Jackie, for sharing your story. I really appreciate you sharing tonight. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Delivery Diaries. If you are loving The Delivery Diaries birth and adoption stories, it would mean so much if you could leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, head over to at The Delivery Diaries on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs>